Welcome to the B-Side Boys Podcast. Who do you think you are? I am! An Iowa rugby podcast. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, now you do! With your host, Mr. Gray. Big meaty man slapping me. And Philly V. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! Brought to you by Rotor Epoxy. This is the adult tour, which means you can drink if you want, and we can say whatever the hell we want. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now let's take a break to hear from one of our sponsors. Convergence Acquisitions LLC is an organization dedicated to providing their creditor partners with a compliance solution for accounts receivable portfolio sales and servicing they enable for their clients to focus on their core business and provide them with a reliable partner they can count on to acquire distressed portfolios. Through over 30 years of accounts receivable management experience, they have developed processes and procedures to recover account portfolios while exceeding compliance expectations. They have partnered with well-respected law firms and other recovery vendors to create an ideal solution for their partners. Convergence Acquisitions evaluates and acquires portfolios including credit card, retail card, consumer loans, auto loans, draft deposit accounts, EMS services, and more. For more information on selling portfolios to use, please contact our business development team at 855-200-6096 or via email at acquisitions at convergenceacquisitions.com. So there I was in the Wombat Den. Another episode of the B-Side Boys. Another installment. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. It's been been a good weekend yeah you you sound like you're still recovering a little bit and so you had a big busy weekend up in iowa falls yeah yeah all i was this weekend i uh managed to make the track up to iowa falls and play with the ducks did a little quacky bats deal and quacky bats yeah quacky bats <sighs> no yeah. it was really fun though i like even though there's only like eight teams like it was that was a lot of fun it was really fun just getting to Play with some guys I had me have played with before, like briefly, but it was a good weekend. Good, you know, a lot of good matches. Yeah, and I want to dive more into this uh, more than just kind of like being like it was good. Moving, on. you know, yeah, yeah, this, no, is, I know. this is a huge thing because all Iowa, it is the biggest you know union tournament, mm-hmm. and it's 15s, and it's supposed to be a culmination. And and we know like that's the thing too. It's kind of a hot topic right now in Iowa because. We know back in 2004, 2002 was it? It was 2002. Uh, That was Iowa Falls Rugby. They posted uh, the stats from 2002 where there was like 34 teams, 55 matches. It was huge. It was the biggest the tournament's ever been. It was Iowa Rugby Union that posted that, though. They might have shared it. Yeah, they shared it. I don't know. But it it was making the rounds. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, like, Oh, we long for these days. We we want to see us return to that. And so my question is, you know, 
people saying like, hey, I want to see this. Of course we all want to see rugby grow at the senior level in Iowa. We want to see the colleges do well. So my question to you is, you know, are like we're not going to make it there overnight. And especially no. this year, there was a delay in announcing where all Iowa was going to be. Yeah. And we heard from Landon Sanders, vice president of Iowa Falls Rugby, that they had a late jump on planning it because of that. But are we moving in the right direction back towards getting it to that spot? Well, that's... That is a tough question because I think Iowa Falls, for the short amount of time that they had, I think they did a pretty decent job. I mean, there was eight teams for the men's side. There was three mm-hmm. teams for the women's side. The, like, the whole tournament ran pretty smoothly mm-hmm. for the most part, you know? Like, everything was ran pretty well. They brought in a food truck. Food truck was really good. Like, the social aspect afterwards was like it's always been. It was, you know, real fun time. The Saturday night party was yeah. good. The camping yeah. was... The camping was good. Um, weather held up, too, which was nice. Oh, yeah. Um... Right direction-wise, like, I don't know, it's hard for me to make any suggestions on really how to make it better because it's easier to say than, like, actually, you know, apply actions to it. Because, you know, from the previous rosters that people talk about, there's a lot of college teams on there, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of other random teams that aren't even around anymore, and even some outside of the state teams. You know, we haven't seen an outside team, you know, I feel like in a few years, and there hasn't really been any college teams, but... I don't know if that could be because of the date, because it's usually around the time where like finals are. So it's like if you want to get college teams, does it need to be a little bit later, like hosted a little bit later in the month, or does it need to be more mid-April range? It's kind of hard to so determine. That's something that Paul Damagey said during the AGM was it has to be, and he gave a lot of reasons in the AGM of it has to be this first weekend in May. Mm. For there's multiple reasons why they pick that. I think you, you know you stay away from April because people are doing their own spring stuff. And the weather and the so weather predictable. Oh, yeah. and yeah, you're gonna get drenched. And then the more you get into summer, people are doing sevens like, and then graduations, colleges disband. Yeah. So I did pull up. 2002, it was Iowa Falls that posted this. The Iowa Rugby Union shared it. There was 34 teams in attendance, 55 games, five teams did not attend, 11 referees with four backups. And so, like, I'm going to read. This is from 2002. Pool A, Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, Palmer, Iowa Falls, Iowa City Ducks, Clinton Muddy River. Pool B, Dubuque, University of Iowa, Bremer County, Gopher College, Des Moines B-Side, Quad City Irish, Altoona Wolfpack, River City, Central College. Pool C, Jones County, Iowa State, Blackhawk, Luther, Grinnell, Iowa Falls B, Storm Lake Co., Quad City Irish B. Not attending, UNI Women, UNI Men, Drake Men, Des Moines Women, and Grinnell. And then the women's side, you had Iowa, Iowa State, Luther, and Wartburg. So right there, just reading There's that. There's like six teams that don't even exist anymore. Luther Women, Wartburg Women, they don't exist. Drake Men, Grinnell. Grinnell, they played sevens a few yeah. years back, but I don't think they're doing anything Gopher right College. now. Go for college in Algona. Yeah. They haven't played since 2013. Altoona. Altoona Wolfpack. I have no idea what that I, is. I, didn't even, I thought that was a typo when I saw that. I didn't even notice that Go for College was on that list because we were talking about that on the weekend. It's like, I thought that, you know, when they typed in Altoona, it was supposed to be Algona, mm. you know? Gotcha. And then, like, Storm Lake Albatross. Yeah. That's the team we've always heard about. Jones County, Blackhawk, Luther. Yeah, those are all gone. Yeah. It, and so when we talk about, you know, the health of the tournament, it's not really that it falls on the people who run the tournament. It falls on the fact that those teams don't exist. So yeah. if we want to build up all Iowa, we have to build up 
those clubs that aren't there anymore. And yeah. there was no out-of-state teams there. Yeah, not on that one. Not on that one. I think previous years recently, out-of-state teams came to try to fill that bracket. I mean, yeah. eight is better. I think last year they only had six. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the Wombats, we split with, like you said, Iowa City. We were the mm-hmm. quacky bats because, honestly... Trying to combine a duck and a wombat for a mascot is really hard. <laughs> it's difficult. I used AI to try to make something, and it's it was an abomination. <laughs> or a platypus, but... Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there's, like, no good name for it, so yeah. quacky bats. Um, Iowa Central College, if it wasn't for the fact that a bunch of those kids came... I mean, yeah, they some helped. Of those, yeah, they helped like almost every single team, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. Like, it's awesome that Iowa Central had that many kids that want to come up and play, right. just enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Spring is kind of a weird thing because I was explaining it to a couple of guys too, where it's just like I just don't think spring is really for the Wombats. Mm-hmm. You know, like we always, you know, last year we went pretty hard with practice. You know, like starting early in July and we were practicing all the way up to the end of October. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think some guys just kind of got a little burnout and just wanted a little bit of a break. Yeah. Well, in yeah. our in our motto, our mindset with the Wombats is, you know, you're busy. You have a family. You have a wife, kids, whatever you do, job, school, whatever. And it's hard to already commit, you know, 8 to 12 weeks mm. or 8 to 12 Saturdays. And then in the spring, you're asking for 8 more. And it doesn't always fly. And then you have summer right behind it. And then it, falls, it flows right back into the fall. And that's the thing, too. Like, maybe just because of our club's mindset, like... It is hard to do, and and we've talked, you and me personally, is maybe we look at spring, and this is from a Wombats, I'm not telling any club to do this, but you have guys who want to play every weekend, they're they're 23 years old, they're 25 years old, they're not tied down to anything crazy, they want to be on the road playing rugby, they don't care who it's with. I was talking to Tom McClyman about this, when we were that age, you know, way back when. Way back when. You remember the Iowa Summer 7 series? Yeah, yeah. We called it the the couch tour because we had a friend in every single city, and we had a group of like eight of us. We played for Bremer County. We crashed in Iowa City at Alec Lang's house. We crashed in Cedar Rapids at best friend Andy from back home. We crashed at his place. You know, you and I, when Cedar Falls or Waverly hosted, we crashed at your place. I slept on your couch. And so did Tom. Yeah. A lot of dog hair on me. No. <laughs> sorry. That was mean. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. <laughs> I was allergic. No. Um, that's why I'm a cat guy. A hairless cat guy. <laughs> um, no, but like every weekend we had, mm. it was like, let's play. Yeah. Well, now that I have two kids and I have a pool that I have to take care of. <laughs> You're a big pool guy, I guess. <laughs> takes a lot of time. I just realized as I said, I'm like, that sounds so douchey. But, like, there's a lot of things I have to do. And, like, my job requires me to do a lot of things. And then we have this podcast. Like, I don't have the time to go to everything. So it's like, what if for spring for the Wombats, you know, we go to Nashville, but not as the Wombats. It's a combined Iowa um, mixed team. I'm not going to use the word that people use. I want that to get clipped. (laughs) You know. I know. Like, the same thing with the Chicago thing where it's like, why don't we just do, instead of it being directly a Wombats thing, it's just an Iowa team, mm-hmm. you know? I, I like that for spring. Cause because, like, you can get a lot of guys that, you know, there's three or four guys from Northeast Iowa that want to play every weekend. There's, like, maybe five or six guys from the Wombats that want to play every single weekend have the time to. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some guys from the Ducks, that, you know, three, four guys that want to play, get some Iowa Central kids or maybe some potentially, like, you and I. Or, Cedar Rapids, Bremer guys. Cedar like, Rapids, Bremer guys, too, yeah. I mean, you, you take all seven of those handfuls and you have a deep, solid squad yeah because 
the Wombats didn't lose to Fox Valley 33-22. The Wombats and friends, many friends, lost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Down in Nashville. It wasn't the Wombats that played against Louisville. It was the Wombats and many friends. Yeah, because I think, yeah, well, we only have like seven, six, seven guys for the Wombats, maybe eight. That were in Nashville? We had more than that. We were about 10. We were about 10. 10? Oh. Yeah, I had to do all the spreadsheets for it. Oh, okay. um, but no, it's one of those things where it's like, to make it grow, we can't just say, like, this is how it was many years ago. We're going to do the exact same thing and it's going to work. We have to mm. think outside the box. And right now, it just doesn't seem feasible. Yeah. It's just like style of play anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, the style of play now is different than it was 20 years right. ago. Well, and also... No colleges for the men's side were at this tournament yeah. as an actual team. Like, Iowa yeah. Central kids were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some UNI guys. And Yes, UNI yeah. guys filled out on, mm-hmm. like, that Ducks team and the Bremer squad. It's one of those things where it's like, we, I remember when I played for UNI, and you played for UNI, mm-hmm. every single time we went, one of my first times playing, like, A-side minutes, top-level minutes for UNI was at All-Iowa, because it was always on graduation weekend. Mm. So my first time ever going to all Iowa, I do remember guys looking at me and being like, hey, if anybody comes up to you, you are <laughs> not a newbie and you're not a freshman. You've been here before. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Because whatever, there's stuff that newbies would do back in the day. Yeah. It's well, currently still, but whatever. <laughs> not hazing. No, yeah, it's nope. not hazing, though. No, um, I'm trying to dance around <laughs> that, Phil. But anyways. Okay. <laughs> anyways. Um, so... I remember they're like, hey, whatever. But then also we had like eight guys missing from graduation. Yeah. And I just remember Haas looking at me. We were supposed to play Palmer. And Palmer was D1 and they had like these amazing athletes. And I knew nothing. And I remember Jake Ward, Haas, looks at me and goes, hey, uh, who hasn't played today? And I was kind of like, oh, I haven't. He goes, hey, you're starting. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I get a start in a match. We lost by 80 in a match that was, what, 30 minutes long? Yeah. So we only did 20-minute halves this weekend. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying I think the game was 30 minutes long. Uh, like, it was a 20-minute okay. first half, and then after 10 minutes in the second half, they're like, throw on the towel. This is stupid. Because yeah. they returned four kickoffs for a try in a row because it was like, I can't tackle them. Yeah. You know? And it was one of those things where it was like, we weren't really you and I because mm-hmm. people are graduation. Iowa State was just in the national championship. Yeah. Iowa was playing, you know, they've been, Iowa's been kicking ass for the men's. Yeah. Um, they've been playing some Big Ten opponents, and they've been on, like, a revenge tour. Yeah. It's been pretty cool. And, then like, yeah, that's just the other thing. Like, the landscape right now is just different because there's a lot more opportunities for, you know, college kids to be playing at this, like, higher level, like, mm-hmm. tournaments and everything. Like, obviously, CRC, you know, was, like, the previous weekend. So, you know, that's obviously a lot of you and I guys. Like, mm-hmm. you and I is not going to enter in a team the week after, you know, or like Iowa right. State playing, the, like you said, the national championship. Right. They're not going to have a team, obviously, there. Right. So, and things are getting more serious, too, for our youth players. I yeah. saw um, Ian Murrah, mm-hmm. you know, he shared something with the All Iowa tournament, and someone was like, hey, if you want to play for Iowa Falls, you can throw on a green jersey. And Casey Hansen jumped in. He's like, no, you can't, because if you play in a men's league match, or a men's senior side match, you will be ineligible for high school rugby and all the opportunities that come with it. And it's like, we have to be more professional and serious about certain aspects because, like, that kid has a really bright future. State tournaments this weekend, he's he's a very high-level player. You can't throw it away over that. We got to get away from the old boy mentality of, like, 
bah, just show up, play whoever, who cares? Because yeah. liability, insurance, and all the we're old, all the boring old stuff. Yeah, we have to make sure we do things the right way. But that was that was the other thing too this weekend. Like some people were complaining about, like, oh, I was like back in the day, this and this, and it's just like, God, dude, like you literally sound like an old dude, <laughs> like. You know, like I'm not the, trying to get the, the landscape is different now. Like every everything's different, so you kind of gotta make adjustments. You I'm know? not trying to lose so, my job yeah. over this weekend. Like, yeah, like, don't cancel me. Yeah. Well, and that's also like, yeah, it's just it's funny because like Snapchat, be real, uh, Instagram reels, cell phones did not exist in 2002. Dude, dude, that was the other funny thing. Cooper, like, because we Your were hanging son? out. My son Cooper, yeah, we were hanging out. You gotta you know, say people's full names so they know who you're talking about. My boy, um, yeah. Does he have a last name? Obviously. Isaacson. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, there could be people from other places that don't know, Phil. You gotta... I think you should know by now, right? Maybe? I don't know. Why do you assume people listen to every episode? Because <laughs> I look I at the know. analytics, they don't. <laughs> uh, whatever. Anyways, no, he was telling me, he was like, oh, he's gonna like... Because we were talking about stories from Cedar Falls, and he's like, oh, I was like, yeah, like, we can never get away with that now or whatever and stuff, you know, with, like, Snapchat and all that stuff. I'm like, dude, I didn't, I didn't graduate that long ago. We had Snapchat. Yeah. We had social media back in the day. I'm like, I'm we, not that old. <laughs> but we are old enough. We had Snapchat when it told everybody who your top three people yeah, were. Yeah, I hated that. It sucked. Well, you'd hate it if you were shady. <laughs> I wasn't that shady. <laughs> Oh man, I was in never in anybody's top three. Oh. Um, but cool thing though, the women's mm, three yeah. teams there. Yeah, Shield or, Maidens making their like little debut. Multiple women's team represented. Yeah. Shield Maidens, Quad Cities, Omaha, and Des Moines. Oh, yeah. And then so you ran into some college girls too, like the from you and I and Iowa State. Yeah. Were they like just jumping on? Yeah, some of them okay. were hopping in and playing and stuff. Gotcha. It was really funny though because like. Um, you know, there was some of the girls were getting like some people were giving them a little bit of shit where it's just like you gotta be able to like drink and play or whatever stuff. And it's just like no, it's not what we really do for <laughs> college. Like you don't <laughs> drink and then hop in and play a you know forty minute match or whatever. And and again, that's how the college game has changed because yeah. it's like there's real opportunities. Those opportunities didn't exist for us the way they exist now, where it's like. You can go play high level. There's PR sevens, and we're yeah. gonna talk to someone next week who just got signed onto a PR sevens thing. We like, there's huge opportunities for WPL or MLR. Like, yeah. back when we played, it was just like, well, I mean, you go to select side, and if you're good enough, you move on. That's yeah. it. Then you get drunk at all the other matches. Like, who cares? This is just right. for fun. So there is this weird transition of like how things are developing. So yeah, too long didn't read. I think. For the health of this tournament to grow, it really comes down to every individual team has to do their part. Yeah. I don't know if the split fall spring schedule with summer sevens is attainable the same way yeah. it used to be. You know what I would really I don't know if it would necessarily like obviously be outside of spring. I wouldn't mind seeing all I would be maybe like in August. You know? As a preseason tournament? Preseason tournament. Other teams or other unions have done that before. Yeah. The only issue is people are like, you know... Don't want to get hurt before the competitive fall season. Exactly. Yeah. Because no, it doesn't thing. matter. And then it's like, but... I, yeah, it's tough. That's tough. It is tough. It's yeah, It doesn't really seem like they're... Like, I like the beginning of May. I mm -hmm. think that's not, like, the worst time or anything. But yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it needs to be a date change or if maybe, like, 
maybe like the next time like we just mm-hmm. decide on the location if they do want to change it right which i don't think it's a terrible spot in iowa falls because they have all these fields and they're really right. nice fields i still think they do a pretty decent job and if you gave them more time it would yeah. probably be if like it was confirmed like in december or january so right. you have a really long head start on it you could really make it something really cool fun fact i read the bylaws of the iowa rugby football union number one the bylaws for the union say it's actually the Iowa Rugby Football Union, and that's how it's supposed to be said mm. every time. Also, there's supposed to be an AGM every winter and summer. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Like, interesting. it's one of those things where it's like, it could be confirmed, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that would be cool to give the the planners more time to plan. Yeah, or at least now put it, if it's going to be hosted by Iowa Falls. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know all the ins and outs. Like, I shouldn't really, I guess, say that it's all put on Iowa Falls. But and like, it's a podcast. You can say whatever yeah, you want. But, yeah, exactly. But it's like... Maybe, you know, yeah, some other outside sources could really, like, really dive in and help them, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're going to be hosting or whoever is hosting. And again, too, like, it's the Iowa Rugby Union. Other clubs can, like, jump in and, like, oh, it's not our home, but, like, we can help bring things in. I don't know, like, Iowa Irish Fest is a huge thing that, like, Bremer does with the city of Waterloo. Like, it's cool to know there's these tournaments, and, like, I I do think it's, like, individual clubs can Mm. help whoever's hosting like we can we can help them make it better because i just think and that's why we have this podcast too is to try to connect these stories and let people know what's happening so then that way it's like oh like because i think you see people shoot shots from the distance like oh i'm just gonna complain to complain but it's like nah let's look behind the scenes of like why things are the way they are and where can we jump in and help yeah let's be positive about this let's build it up um, cause I think we all want to see it be successful, yeah. you know? So no, a lot of good stuff. Um, and last thing I'll say about all, all Iowa though, match day wise, like obviously Palmer winning the whole thing. Oh they yeah. Dominated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They oh. dominated the whole thing. They were, they played great. Dubuque was in the, uh, like finals against them cause we had lost to them in the, um, semis or whatever on a penalty kick that sucked. But I mean, that was, it was a great kick by Jack and Dubuque played really well in that match and. Um, yeah, there was that, and uh, I'm not exactly sure how all the other matches prior to that went exactly, but it sounded like everything else went pretty well, and the uh, serving was really great. Like, Debo, that was like the first match I've ever had Debo sir for me, and he did a phenomenal job, um, and I think that was like maybe like the second time I've had Casey sir for us as well, and Casey did a great job. I mean, like, I thought all the um, refereeing was really well done by um everybody what about the hall of fame ceremony how was that the hall of fame was pretty good um there was a lot of people that really gathered around and there was really good representation from you and i and iowa state women's to like be there to support megan which was really cool because like everybody's just like when she was up they were just cheering friend of the program yeah friend of the program and like yeah like there was like i said just good representation the only thing i i I hate to complain about anything but I kind of wish they could have maybe done something a little bit different with the PA system because it was kind of hard to hear uh, some of the speeches. Were you just getting old? I, I, I could be. <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little old. I mean, I guess that would be my only complaint, but I like the way they set it up because it was just like a nice little break mm-hmm. between matches where mm-hmm. we could, you know, hear some of the stories from, you know, like the Quad City Irish 86 team, you know, just hearing some stuff mm-hmm. about some of those guys, like an individual players and basically how dominant they were back in the day mm-hmm. which is pretty wild like winning the midwest like five years in a row and wow. playing like a canadian team and stuff like that like as just a bunch of dudes from quad city like that's crazy right so yeah nice. i thought that was really cool i think kelsey did a pretty good job setting that all up nice 
Well, and I'd love to get everybody on from that class to talk about kind of their stories. Because, again, preserving those stories is huge because I had no idea. I mean, there's a lot of things as we looked at that 2002 list of, like, team names. Mm. There's stories that uh, will get lost in time if we don't look for them. So um, I'd love to hear the 86 Quad City 7s team story and then everybody else who got inducted and the people before them, too. Mm. Because... I think it's hard for people to know who's actually in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and I think it'd be cool to be like, well, that's the highest honor you can get. Well, when we, we were trying to nominate people, wasn't a few of the people we put on the list like already in the Hall of Fame when we weren't aware? Yeah, for the Wombats. <laughs> yeah. So for yeah. the Wombats, uh, we had our officers, every single person nominated two people in yep. the Wombats group chat. And I took the list and I reached out to Kelsey and I said, hey, uh, here's a list of names we have. Are any of these people in the Hall of Fame? And she's like, yeah, half of them. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least we're on the right track. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, we didn't know. Game recognized game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and speaking of game recognized game, you were talking about referees earlier. Yeah. So we have a special guest today brought to you by Tight Head Brewing Company. And really cool opportunity. This guy is a referee in Iowa. You definitely know who he is. He got to ref down at the CRC 7s National Championships in Washington, D.C. I think we should talk to him. And I, this is probably one of my favorite interviews. This was really cool, really insightful. Yeah, that was really fun. And yeah, Eddie's a great guy. <gasps> uh, was that too soon? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, introduce it. Then you're going to introduce it again. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, no, we're going to have Eddie Tapion. And yeah, that was it was a fun conversation. It was really cool to get some more insight on like what all goes down during the CRC for you know the ref portion of it at least. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, let's do it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This interview is brought to you by Tighthead Brewing Company. Tighthead Brewing Company is a craft brewery located in Mundelein, a suburb of Chicago. Their brew pub is a neighborhood institution where friends and families can meet up and enjoy great music, wonderful company, and the best beer in town. Since they opened their doors in 2011, they've poured their heart and soul into every glass. Stop in and taste what they're talking about. Also, if you are not from Chicago, make sure you go to your local grocery store, liquor store, restaurant, bar, pub, whatever. Ask the bartender, ask the owner, ask whoever runs the place for Tight Head Brewing Company beer. They distribute through Dahl Distributing. You can drink it in Iowa. It is found in Iowa. And oh yeah, the name Tighthead. Bruce played rugby for 13 years, mostly as a Tighthead prop. Bruce is the owner, founder, and master brewer. The Tighthead prop is a position that involves being in the front row of the scrum, supporting the hooker. The explanation is too long for this story, but we encourage you to research and understand the origin of the name and become a fan of not only the beer, but the sport it represents. Enjoy Tighthead Brewing Company. Right, and this interview is brought to you by Tight Head Brewing Company, and we have a very special guest today. We have Eddie Tapia. Eddie, how you doing, dude? What's going on, guys? It's it's an honor to be on the the premier Iowa rugby podcast in Iowa. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for joining us. And 
your interview is actually from the recommendation of, you know, big time name in Iowa, Jeff McHenry. And so when he's like, hey, you got to get Eddie, I was like, Phil, you're on it. And like within 30 minutes, boom, we made it happen. <laughs> no, tr- no, truly, man, that's cool. I'm glad we got this uh, this platform to talk about all of our, our woes and our, and our highs. Oh, yeah. And we, we want to specifically talk about a huge high is that, you know, you are a referee in the Society of Iowa Rugby Referees. People see oh, you. Shout out, shout out. Yeah, you, you're <laughs> reffing for, you know, collegiate matches, uh, senior side matches, the high school matches. If, if you play rugby in Iowa, people have seen you. And then also, you got the opportunity this past weekend or two weekends ago, uh, you went down to the CRCs down in Washington, D.C., and you were yes. able to ref some high-level sevens matches. And that's what Jeff McHenry was telling us about. And he was there with you, too. Adam Falk was there. But we wanted to hear basically your experience, you know, just overall yeah, right away. What is the initial reaction now that you've been home for about a week and a half, two weeks? What was that like going to D.C. and refing some top-level collegiate rugby? So it was definitely a first time experience for me. I mean, even here in the state, um, I don't want to just come off first and start dogging on Iowa Union and how we organize our tournaments, our games and stuff. But the organization of the CRC sevens was something I had never been a part of. I know Adam does a great job. He has like really so much he could do as far as uh, keeping, keeping everybody in line with things about, I guess, just creating a more... I guess I could say professional atmosphere for these mm. players, for these young players to kind of see what, but, I mean, we do a good job, but it was definitely on a whole other level. I mean, this is the pinnacle, right? It's a championship, collegiate mm. championship. Definitely. And, you know, thinking of just how organized that was, I think they said there was 110 teams. Yeah. There was eight different divisions. What type of matches were you primarily involved in refing over that weekend? Yeah, so one thing that did, like, super hurt us the first day was the weather. It was, like, pouring from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. They actually had to cut Friday's day. So, yeah, there was about, I think they said something like there was 300 matches on schedule. So that's three days. I think they had five fields. So it was something like, and, and this is a, this is another testament to their, you know, their organization. I think so they, they were going to run five fields, right? Like, I think that's 20, 20 games a field at 100 games a day. I mean, it, it, we were just breaking down the numbers, but uh, obviously with, like, knockout brackets and mm-hmm. teams that didn't win, you know, so... But uh, Friday, man, honestly, it got cut short. The yeah. the Maryland soccer complex, like, groundsmen, like, were like, hey, you know, we got to cut you guys short on a couple fields. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to allow you to finish the tournament. Yeah. Which was pretty wild, because but yeah, I mean there were some fields that were just mud pits. Uh, I mean I got to watch you and I uh, win a great match. Gosh, I forgot what team they won again, but it was in the pool play. But it, it was their second match, so they needed to win it right to, to advance. And uh, yeah, it was just like uh, just a muddy. I mean balls are uh, you know knock ons everywhere, forward passes, slides, you know, 15, 20 meter slides. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they came out and shut it down. So. It, it was, right, it was like that part really messed the rest of the weekend up. But Saturday we like really got back on track. So they were doing almost like a tier or like an. They said, and it was like this rumor in the locker room of the Sirs. There's about how many of like I think it was like eighty six or ninety six 
referees, like Whoa. certified referees. Yeah, on the weekend. So in the beginning, we were all just like kind of in an auditorium there telling us how it was going to go down. They were evaluating the lower, like people that have never been a part of CRCs or NSCRO, or I guess NRC now. Um, as far as the referees been on the circuit, so I was happy because I was a bit bummed at first. I only had one center AR on Friday, and it was it was mostly and it was a women's match, high level women's match, Boise State versus uh, Cornell, I believe. Okay, but uh, yeah, so but I only but that was my only center ref position, and uh, I kind of understood, you know, you got to work your ranks just like anything. Uh, I must have done all right with ARing and that center ref because fr- uh, Saturday on. And it wasn't even, it wasn't raining on Saturday, honestly. The the rugby gods parted the clouds and there was <laughs> nothing but sun all day on Saturday. I mean, we were playing, I did a 8.55 a.m. match and a 6.38 p.m. AR match, which is my first and my last assignments on the day. So it's a long day of rugby. It's very long. Uh, yeah, and I mean, there wasn't any breaks. I mean, those right. the teams got breaks, but there was just games running the whole day. Um, but yeah, man, that was... It, it was a lot. Honestly, it started feeling like work after a little while. Like <laughs> I love rugby, but shit, this is like this is work. <laughs> you you mean to tell me that when you you know referee any of these other Iowa matches, it doesn't feel like work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I shouldn't say that. Should I? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> well, it's maybe a different type of work. <laughs> yeah. No, and you know, talking about the organization of the NCR, just how they were able to bounce back from that weather. I mean, that was pretty amazing to see yeah. how they were able to adjust on the fly. Especially that many teams. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. and did you have, you know, you said you had one center uh, match and then you AR'd over the weekend. Yeah, so did you get feedback from some high-level referees or some high-level, like, referee um, educators? Yeah. Like, what, what kind of feedback did you get from them? Yeah, so, like I guess yeah, I didn't really finish off with what I was uh, leading into those evaluators, you know, they would pull you aside in each each match and kind of. So there was like teams on the field mm-hmm. um, for the referees, which is awesome. Like something that um, here in the states or here in here in you know Iowa, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess I could say intimidating. I don't know if people are intimidated to pick up a whistle and sir, mm-hmm. but it, it it is so. Um, I guess empowering is the word when you have someone like backing you up and like just coaching you and talking with you about, you know, where to be or what you're doing uh, poorly or what you're doing good. They also wrote out this like great referee rubric of pretty much saying like high level referees do this, low level referees do this. And, you mm-hmm. know, they like sent us out on an email uh, days before. Um, and I guess it's all about what you put into it. I guess refereeing, like if anybody listening to this is thinking about doing it um, and wanting to do it well, because honestly, if you're not good at it, you're not going to like doing it, just like anything, I'm sure, but especially refereeing rugby, because, I mean, you guys know, right? Yeah. You, oh, yeah. you mess up <laughs> you mess up calls, and you, you know where it's going. It's a slippery slope. Um, but no, yeah, so those evalu- evaluators kind of did every single match with us. Uh, Saturday, I actually ended up getting four center ref positions uh nice. two quarter two quarter finals and a couple of losing bracket games uh i actually got to do wayne state uh sevens yeah. which was pretty cool yeah because they had two uh two east high alumni on their team oh yeah uh that was pretty dope but uh yeah so saturday was awesome and uh the championship day on sunday i, I didn't get to do anything uh they pretty much had you know who they wanted to referee those it was all championship matches so mm-hmm. 
But no, it was great. It was like the learning environment around all these people. I mean, even like Adam, hearing Adam say, like, I love watching this guy, sir. Just like watching, look how fluid he is. Look how he's just like, no rush to his uh, calls. Uh, he, he never breaks pace of the game. That's one of the biggest parts and I think the most challenging parts. Uh, and, it, and it's even more challenging because we go back and forth from 7s to 15s. Mm-hmm. But, like, managing pace of the game because you guys want to play at your pace, right? And uh, how uh, an an official in in a game of rugby has to call the game is, like, we have to be in in sync. You know, me, Mm -hmm. both the teams, both the teams and I, the ARs, if there is any, which uh, I would love to see more people get into it and just do, like, strictly AR positions, Mm -hmm. like, just starting out. Because they're honestly so beneficial. Because um, it's tough to manage, especially 15s, man. Ugh. Yeah. And I, well, and I was going to say, too, you know, we've talked to Adam Falk before on this podcast where he said their goal in Iowa is to have more, you know, evaluators. So then that way you guys get that feedback. And just yeah. because we are in such desperate need, you know, we're having teams grow, but we're not having the referee pool grow to keep up with it. So, like, guys who are joining to become referees, you know, it's hard to develop when you're not getting instant feedback other than, you know, when you show up to a match, you're on a team by yourself when there's 22 guys over here mm-hmm. and then 20 guys over here. I mean, that ends yeah. up being 45 versus one. You know, I mean, you can't, it's, it's always one of That's those things. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point, Mr. Gray. And well, because I'll say it too, you know, when you do have ARs, and we see this in high school sevens, I think it's really cool when I see at halftime the referees come together and everybody talks and is like, hey, I've been seeing this. Oh, hey, watch for this. You know, yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's huge. And so, what are some of the big things you want to bring back from this tournament to bring to referees in the state? Like, what are some of those lessons yeah. learned or things you want to share to help grow you bring our pool? Up- yeah, you bring up a great point because I almost was uh, like joking about it towards the end of the season, uh, towards the end of the weekend there in DC because it it was just so like encouraging. There's like a good job every fucking time we would pass by another sir throughout this whole complex, just fist pounding. You're like <laughs> good, good luck, you know, just we, like complete strangers. Some of these people I didn't even really know their names. We just had like our last names on like this huge referee bracket of like your assignments and like it was just a a smooth oiled machine of encouragement and uh, just like I guess making the every efficacy I think would be the good word to use there. Um, yeah, and that's never been seen before in Iowa with referees. Like you guys yeah. literally are on your own. I mean, very rarely do we have certified ARs. It's normally like the lowest guy on the totem pole of a team wonder, is like, here's the flag, your touch judge. I've been playing yeah. for three days. You know, it's like, it's I don't like know what to do. Yeah, 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 how do I do this? You know, that doesn't help you in the center at all. You know what I think would be cool, man, if we did more like, if the referee union was more like a rugby club. Like if we mm. not emulated a rugby club, but like, because especially there at the at that at that tur- at that uh, tournament, I mean, dude, they had all of those eighty six or something. Maybe not all of them. At the same hotel. These fucking refs probably party harder than rugby teams. <laughs> I'll tell you what, bro. It was crazy. I was like, guys, you know we got to work the whole day. It's like, it fucking rained all day. I mean, these guys, uh, it, was, it was something to see. Uh, we were, like, bleeding from the break lounge in the hotel. That's where, like, you know, you can have your little, you know, 
but it was too small. Like it didn't fit any of us. So we were like bleeding into the lounge and like every <laughs> night we got kicked, we got kicked out. I mean, here's the full uh, lobby of a hotel, like up to like, well, I guess not up to the uh, front desk, but like almost up to it. Um, just full of just guys. Ah, all you hear is just like a bar. It's just like, you know, that roar when you're inside of a bar, it's just like of multiple people just continuously having conversations. You don't, you can't make out anything, but you know, there's just like a roar of conversation going on. <laughs> so funny. Every night they got kicked out. They're like, all right, guys, we got to go to your rooms. It's too, it's too loud. <laughs> it's so funny. It and then it took like hours to get them out. Yeah. It does make a little bit of sense though. I mean, every, almost every single sir, has been a rugby player probably for quite a few years so you know that that's what i thought but there was like a lot of them that have never played a lot of a lot yeah a lot of people i met uh, women and men um yeah they were like no i just you know i guess so i met two of them from canada and they're just like you know it's just like been around where i'm from for so long i guess like i'm not foreign to rugby even though i've never played it like I guess it'd be like if you wanted to pick up refereeing like LAU basketball or something, you know, mm. like, you know, you probably handle some basketball that's been around you your whole life or something, but that was pretty neat to, to find out. But yes, the stories that all these, like how you landed with your whistle, I mean, not to put some doom on the, on the radio waves, but like, you know, how I landed on the, on the whistle, man, which is a lot of, a lot of our stories is like an injury, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, an injury kind of puts you down and. You know, you want to stay around the pitch. And right. I'm, so, that, I mean, that was my thing. If I can, had a bad injury and that, picked up a whistle. That does seem like majority of them, though, it seems like at least. Or, like, yeah, it's just some guys that are just, like, kind of starting to phase out a little bit, but they still want to be, you know, around the game and be helpful oh, and yeah. keep improving the game for, you know, everybody else. So Honestly, I want to, if um, Adam, I'm sure he's going to hear this. Adam, shout out. Adam Falk, dude, thank you so much for everything you've done uh, since I've, like, got my certification that guy man has really been um i guess what we're talking about like if anyone is creating um an environment for a young sir or a new sir or a retired rugby player sir and it is like different right we're at different stages in our rugby career but mm-hmm. if you say i mean say say you do got an injury or say you don't see yourself competitively playing but you love the game it's you know it's in you it's it's part of your life um refereeing is a great avenue like like I never thought it would become as uh, advantageous and op- opportunistic as it has become. I mean, yeah, just talking about the DC weekend, I met a lot of people that are MLR, you know, referees that get on the MLR circuit and they're like, dude, you could get that. And they, they pay awesome. The experiences are great. You get to travel and, you know, you get the best seat in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's awesome. Yeah. I think no, you make yeah. a great a great pitch for it for guys who, you know, are on the fence about it because like you said too, like I mean, people are partying. They're still part of the rugby culture and <laughs> oh, yeah. they want to be there. And I think that's something that might be something that people don't look at is that like when someone, you know, I mean, it's like in any job, like someone goes from a normal employee to like um, admin or the, the, or like when you're in the army and then you become an officer and people look at it as like the dark side. It's like, no, you are guys who love rugby. Something it kind of happened. is like that, or it was for me anyway. Right. And people look at it as this bad thing. And it's like, without referees, we don't have a game. Without good referees, we don't have a safe yeah. game. Like it's yeah. one of those yeah. things. And to give Adam another shout out, like, he has these meetings every single Wednesday where oh yeah those have been great yeah like, have you been in, watching instantly those they were good yeah oh yeah 
Yeah, no, so on Wednesday nights, he has all the high school sevens referee get on a Zoom call, and they share footage of, hey, this is something that happened in my game, and then Adam doesn't just say, this is how you fix it, because that's not how, like, rugby law works. Everybody breaks down kind of, like, what they've experienced and what they see, and they go through the thought process. It's not just, like, this is how you do it every time. It's it's yeah. so cool to watch because as a coach and as a player, I love watching it because I understand quick lineouts now. Like I've never understood <laughs> them until like yeah. two weeks ago. So I, I, the things he's doing to create these easy access points and entry points for new referees is great. And then to hear your story about like, you know, you got into refereeing. And I remember when you, I feel like, started refereeing, it was like you'd referee yeah. here and there. And then it was kind of those things like, no, Eddie's refereeing all the time. You know, he is one yeah. of our main referees, I ended you up, know? I, I ended up just liking it, dude. And I hope anyone that tries it, it works out that way. Because I ended up just liking it. I mean, I played a lot of 15. Like, that's kind of like my position that I played. And uh, so I was always talking, always vocal. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. Oh, I mean... I'm just going to keep dropping tidbits that I learned from that other weekend because sometimes I'll just start thinking about it out of nowhere. But uh, that game management uh, and your ability to verbally uh, enhance or that, and you could also like with what you're saying with, uh, yeah, like what you're saying, like, you know, if you're not telling a guy, instead of blowing the whistle, you can manage it verbally, I guess. Mm. That's another big thing I learned in this game or in this, that weekend is, uh, you can do so much for the game by, by managing it, and that means instead of blowing it up, blowing it up, blowing it up, blowing it up all the time, you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, sorry. That's, that's going to probably get us off topic every time. But <laughs> no, <I laughs> to let you, you know how my mind works. <laughs> oh, trust me. I deal with Mr. Gray's mind all the time. It's all over the place. <laughs> just ideas just dropping in like a whack-a-mole. Yep. <laughs> I'm all over the place, man. I... It, it's a little scary sometimes. I don't know where I'm at, but Phil, he keeps up. <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trying to go back to the CRC a little bit, though, but I was kind of curious. What do you think your uh, favorite match you were a part of for the uh, weekend? Like, what do you think was the most exciting one you got to be a part of? Yeah, definitely. This uh, Rio, Rio Grande. Uh, I, I'm taking it's like, <laughs> is it from Ohio? That's what yeah, Casey that's Hansen what told, yeah. told us, yeah. Yeah, there was a seventh team. There's a lot of uh, uh, Polynesian, you know, uh, Islanders seemed like they were from that region of the earth, you know. I'm not trying to profile, but... From Ohio? Uh, well, Rio, yeah. Rio Grande, Rio Grande University versus, um, I think it was Nazarene College. At Oklahoma, um, yeah. They were a gr that was a great match. I mean, high level, high IQ from the both teams. Um intensity i mean hits i mean they were hitting each other and i think that's that's a part of the game too it's like once you do get high high competition like players um high iq also you know so those two things on each side oh man that's that's a great rugby game that's a great rugby game that's honestly the safest i think because like i mean we see it all the time in at the high school level right there's like high level rugby team versus like a they're just playing rugby still. And they, you kind of did see that also. You've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, certain clubs at the CRC or certain schools that maybe weren't as, um, the culture wasn't built as much there. There's something to say about universities and colleges that have teams that have had teams for a long time by, like, older rugby guys that started it, and they have the culture built. 
um, there's something to say about that because you can definitely see when someone's just playing, like, when someone's an, an athlete playing rugby, yeah. and then when someone's, like, a rugby player playing rugby, like, mm. or I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think you guys are picking up on it, though. Yeah, yeah I, I get what you're yeah. putting down. Well, and I think, too, with sevens, we see a lot where teams win because they have athletes, but then when they play a team of rugby players who are athletic, they get beat yeah. because they uh, don't yep, understand yep. the flow. That's what you're getting at, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. And you get to see, like, over and over and over these matches all day long. Like, I don't know, that just seems amazing to be on the ground. You do see we, that. We watched, you, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, we watched as much as we could on YouTube and on the Rugby Network. Yep. And, like... Yeah, if, uh, if anybody wants to find a, a match... Uh, that your boy did yeah. you can look up you can look up crc uh like you know how they were uh, i think it was like one field all day right yeah. so it's like a nine hour video field nine day one field nine day two um field nine day two i was the first match soon as the um video starts it's it's my match you want to just jump on there and watch one but uh um the guy i was gonna say this too about the rio grande match versus Nazarene later on in the day I mean, it's hot by then you know the fields are hot everybody's hot it's nice fast rugby um I freaking leaped over this breakdown dude I have I don't think I've ever felt like I ever jumped so high and I was like as soon as I hit the ground I was like I fucking I hope the camera got that okay follow this play I was like follow this play and actually if I'm not mistaken man I think this and I'm I wanted to look up his name. I never did. Shame on me. But uh, I think he's an ex-Iowa Central uh, guy from 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 uh, Coach Nelson. This dude, uh, he long long dreads, skinnier, light skinned brother. Uh, fucking just was making breakaways. He's at Nazarene College now. I I guess I know it's him just by even the style of his running. I mean, hard cuts, fast breaks, tough kid. But uh, yeah, he made that breakaway, and I and I ended up telling him later. I was like, dude, are you at Iowa Central? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's what's up. This, man, and that was a cool thing, too. Um, I seen a couple of girls from colleges I didn't recognize, but I was like, you look really familiar. I was like, did you by any chance play in Iowa? They're like, yeah, I went to Norwalk or something. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, like, dude, Iowa was represented at CRCs. Like, not even just the teams. Like, these are, I guess these are two teams. I guess that guy probably is not from Iowa, but he played at Iowa Central. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of, we'll you know, get some credit for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, dude, that was so cool to see everywhere. I mean, well, so who were the teams? I think it was three women's Iowa, UNI, and ISU. Yep. Um, and then the men's was UNI and uh, Central College, right? Yep. And then we kind of claimed uh, Wayne State, too, for girls. Yeah, we got to claim. Oh, yeah, we claimed them. Yep. The boys and girls, too. Yeah, they had both of them. Oh, yeah. I wish they were deep, too. The girls, man, they had such a such a good team. But, yeah, I, I, I got to watch a lot of their matches. I, I would have like to see them do better in the tournament mm -hmm. well and like for the guys small college there was what was it crazy. six team yeah. or six pools of three 18 total teams yeah. i mean that seemed yeah. pretty deep too and yeah, no, we yeah got, the small college bracket was deep we got the the match up here did you get to keep that sweet maryland flag jersey <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's <laughs> awesome are you gonna wear that like in the fall or at like high school well, yeah. sevens I will if, if yeah if the colors if the colors you know call for it. No. I've racked up some pretty nice referee jerseys. I, you know, I want to wear. I haven't even worn any. <laughs> nice. And I guess I'm gonna ask this too. You know, so as you, oh, oh I just saw you duck on you, this one. You ducked video. under. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> we're watching the game right now. <laughs> no. So did you? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did you have any players? Did you have to deal with any of the the BS you deal with in Iowa where every single time you say something, did you have kids saying to you like, Sir, come on, come on, high tackle. But was it better then so or is that all rugby where people just complain all the time? So I'm about to become public enemy number one in Iowa. That's <laughs> dude, I feel like that is strictly at the men's level. And men's level I mean, I, I gotta say, I haven't done much around like say I mean, I guess Minnesota mm-hmm. would be the only thing. Chicago, um, and I went to Madison one time, but uh, yeah, it's just that's strictly men's men's club, you know, games. Because yeah, dude, the college, uh, they're all good. I mean, one time I had to give a yellow because the guy was just like, you know, it's bullshit. Rolls the ball like in the opposite direction of the of the mark mm-hmm. and uh, and sevens. You know, that's what I kind of like that about sevens and. I'll, even, I'll say this too. If anybody wants to try serving sevens, is 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 good because uh, you don't have to think too much. You you know the rule, mm-hmm. and they want you to blow it up quick so you can keep the ball running quick. Like they don't want long advantages in sevens. Or I mean, I guess as a coaches and how you want your team to play, how would you? I guess what would you want as far as that? Like your advantage, like because I even seen it at the CRC. I seen one guy. I even told him all that. Dude, you hold long advantages in sevens, like. You're, you're bleeding the clock a lot for something that maybe could have just been restarted and maybe they would have a, a better attacking platform than your, you know, long advantage. But as coaches, what, what, what would you guys say? Yeah, I I think, too, in sevens, you want to keep things quick. I mean... You don't want to impede play too much because you don't have very much time. Well, and I feel like <laughs> yeah. you see it all the time, too, where, like, especially early in the high school boys and girls' seven seasons where you have so many new players and, like... <laughs> Some of the kids are, like, looking for an explanation, and this is where I've yeah. talked to Adam Folk, too, where it's like, as coaches, we are responsible for having our players. And Andrew Ridgway, he all, he's our coach for the Wombats, and he tells yeah. us all the time, we are rewarded for good play. We are penalized for breaking the law. And it's up to the coaches to really teach those kids that, because in the moment, it's not your job to teach them what you did wrong, because... I've seen that happen so many times where it's like, okay, clearly a high tackle, penalty, quick tap and go. But then the kid's holding on to the kid like, can you explain to me what I did wrong? And it's like, not right now because you have just killed all momentum. So I understand it, but also like sometimes like Valley, if you saw, we had Valley lost to Waverly um, and it was Mm -hmm. a very close match. And there was some very quick things, but that's like, hey, we had to know ahead of time going into that. You know, so So, it's like. When, yeah, when that yeah. happens, it's like, oh, I disagree because I lost. But outside of that situation, yeah, we got to go quick. We got to keep it moving. It's yeah. on the coach to to prep the players to make the right decision. You know. And you know what? On that, uh, just on that, uh, what you're saying, that's like one of the most things that, like, if you want to do well at officiating, and you want to do well at serving in rugby, um, that type of stuff, like after game, like, like, so, um, I had a match where. My evaluator was like, you know what? There's a there's a time, so I gave. I'm just gonna try to break down the sequence, and I know a lot of my rugby players will be able to follow. So it was a five meter line from the try zone, right? Mm-hmm. They were attacking. Attacking team had the ball at the five meter line. They were going the not rolling away from the tackler. You know, I got I gave the penalty at the five. The guy. Um, 
oh my gosh, what was the infringement? Now I'm going to just totally blank, of course, on air, <laughs> on the live. No, but uh, he didn't, oh yeah, he didn't retreat to the line, right? So it's not far. And those are those are hard. Those pressure moments for the defense and the offenses, you know, got to try eyes. They're five meters from things. Not the 10 that you're normally used to back 10, right? You just, you can only retreat to the goal line. Yep. He didn't make any attempt. Um you know, got the tackle early. I blew it up for another penalty. I should have, you know, my evaluator later said, you know, that was a card right away just because of the, like, where it is. And um, uh, another thing I learned in that they wanted us to consider or to have in our minds is you always want to favor the, like, I guess, call towards the favorable outcome, which if the offense has the ball, the favorable outcome is score. And they want, you know, high-scoring high games, fast mm-hmm. games, so... He later said, you know, you should have, you know, carded that guy because later on, because I gave the penalty to the team. They still didn't score. They, uh, they got held up in the tackle twice. And then that guy that would have received the yellow mm-hmm. ended up, I ended up awarding him a, uh, uh, the penalty, you know, the turnover ball for not releasing on the ground by the other team. Cause you know, and it was, you know, he was isolated. The ruck didn't get there fast enough and, and he did win the ball back. But what a like, Again, cause so when I went back and rewatched the game, I'm like, wow, like that could have totally changed it. That mm-hmm. was in uh, like the end of the first half, and that team was losing. Like, yeah. if I would have gave that guy the card, favorable outcome would have been that they would have scored for the advantageous play. And uh, who knows? You know, it would have changed the game. And that's the kind of stuff, though. Just talking about when you were saying, uh, you know, that Waverly game that you guys went through and mm-hmm. wa- wanting like. You know, when you get to this point in the season, you guys are training all year, and these guys are, man, no, really awesome thing to see is these boys are invested. Mm-hmm. You know, these boys are invested in this rugby stuff now at the high school level, but, uh, and as coaches and as players, you know, you want to see the best, I guess even the most competent, maybe not the best, but at least competent, serving in certain pressure situations, because um, it gets totally change the outcome of the game, but uh, if you really want to do well at this, and there are a lot of people in Iowa that want to do well at it, and they are like that's that. Those are the things that really like keep you up at night. You just you're laying down thinking like, oh, what would have happened? Mm-hmm. They would have went, you know, because mm-hmm. that team did end up the the team that won ended up. Well, it was a quarterfinal match, so I guess you know. So they they advanced. Right, and you know when you initially said like you want to do, you want to make the call for the most ad, adva, advanced the pref- the preferable outcome. Man, I'm gonna cut that part yeah. where I stuttered. <laughs> oh, trust uh, me, it was it was wild. They uh, said a lot of stuff. No, the preferable outcome, I thought you were going to say, like, um, in my head, thinking D3 men's rugby is like, what's the outcome where I don't get punched? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. like, eh, you know what? Uh, let's go with this. So, and exactly. I was, was going to say, too, we're breaking down scenarios. I'm going to ask you about a scenario, and as a referee, I want you to, to walk through a yeah. thought pr- process on this, yeah. okay? So I used to not like doing this because, like, it wasn't <laughs> quite there yet, but it has finally, like... The game in my mind as a ref now viewing it as a ref instead of a player, and I guess it happens as a player too. Mm-hmm. And when it freezes and you're able to like super analyze it as a player, mm-hmm. but like then as a, as an official, it's the same. It's the same, same, but it's different. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think once we get through this scenario, you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah. So we got we got a match, and we're gonna say it's a, a D3 senior men's match. Okay. And so <laughs> the home team's winning. Uh, it's eh, about 20 minutes left in the game, and the home team that's winning, they kick the ball deep. Ball gets picked up by a wing. The wing is probably, 
He's shorter, um, probably 5'6", five, 5'7", five, uh, real muscular guy. And that wing is matched up on the prop from the other team. And so that prop desperately reaches out, and he kind of has his arm across this guy's chest because he's up high. But then he, like, lets go. So he wrapped him up high, but then he lets go. Right, right. He drops low, finishes the tackle, gets yellow carded. What What do you think in that situation? Did this happen to you, Mr. Hold on, Phil. You're gonna blow it. You're gonna ruin it. You this. you award that prop the try. Matter of fact, give the advantage and let him go in for the try. <laughs> so, Good answer. Yeah. No. Just you, how you were breaking it down to me. That's the favorable outcome in my mind. You want to see that prop chase that fucking ball down, get the turnover ball, have that advantage getting played. Fucking hop step over that breakdown and dot that ball down. So, you want that. So here's where I'm saying you've you've grown a lot as a referee because last fall you gave me my first ever yellow card <laughs> in that exact situation and you looked at me because I was being very lazy and I was like right underneath the guy's throat but I let go but then yeah it was it was bad it was deserved are but are you seriously still mad about this yeah dude it keeps me up at night 13 years no yellow cards and Eddie's like oh, get out of here no. I, and I I do remember that that dude that match um. I actually was blessed to have JJ, and if JJ mm -hmm. blesses their airways by listening to this, uh, shout out to JJ, Jeremiah Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, he, he evaluated me early at the, uh, sorry, my wife's coming down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Lorenzo's fussy today, he had a long day out, and uh ryan you'll you'll attest to this you can't skip naps no you cannot skip nap time you you would think guys that don't have kids you would think they get more tired no that's not how it works no that's why we do the interviews after 7 30 8 o'clock because that's when hopefully bedtime routine is already done um yeah it, and it depends on the day 100 percent. never skip a nap never skip a meal yeah <laughs> yeah but no dude, back to that yellow card back to jj uh yeah, that's uh, one of those things where it's like at a certain point where you set the standard and you have to just like follow it, even mm -hmm. though you're like, oh, then that's that's a, honestly a big hurdle to overcome when you like get into officiating. It's like, damn, I already made this call. And even say like oftentimes, man, I'll make the call. I already blew the whistle. I already made the call. And I'm like, that wasn't the right call. And then like where you let where are you where are you left at? You know, and mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the referees do say, hey, you know, you. <laughs> you gotta fucking go with your call. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's what, you know, creates, uh, you know, makes you an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and I'm kidding about that. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. No. <laughs> Phil's gonna say I am, but no. And that's the thing I've seen with, with new referees. It's like the, the number one thing, cause I got certified to be a referee in Ankeny like four years ago, right before COVID. And I did a few girls matches in the center. It's not for me. I did a Wombats versus Quad City 15s match. Uh, our first year because there oh, wasn't really? enough refs for 15s for 15s yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and it was like a league match and i had to pull myself out quad oh, cities wow. didn't have enough guys so we played like tens but we st i still refed it and yeah. it, it's it my brain it just doesn't work i kept getting in the way and my cardio obviously is not um <laughs> there either but no like the one thing adam and the referee coaches taught us was like when you blow that whistle like we spent an hour on how to blow the whistle because it's like you gotta <laughs> blow it with authority and whatever you call right or wrong you stick with it and then you have to stay consistent for 80 minutes so players can play to you and i think that's like a fascinating mindset that players need to understand like 
understanding the law of like this is how this ref calls it and when players disagree with you you probably see it all the time they're like i'm gonna keep testing him but you're like i've already drawn my line this is what i call a high tackle this is what i call offsides stop testing it i've already called it you know and consistency is key in this you know yeah i uh always like make these um autonomous like relations to when i played so it's like the transition from beca- from being like a player for so long and then doing refereeing, it is uh like I guess I'm gonna say this. You do gotta overcome that because a lot of times I'd be like following the ball in a supporting lane mm-hmm. instead of like <laughs> as the ref though. Yeah. You know, so like I I shouldn't be there. Right? Like I'm disrupting your supporting, but as a player I'm like just following the, the supporting. You know, I'm in the supporting line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's funny though because like. So that's what, like, whistle tone. That's one of the things where it's like, if you see guys playing rugby for several years and they're still, like, throwing, like, obscene forward passes, you're like, dude, come on. <laughs> and so, like, with, with referees, with referees, it's like you're blowing the, you're blowing, just little tiny little whistle tones. They're just like, dude, like, let's go. You know, you gotta, you gotta blow that fucking thing with authority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things where they'll make fun of you, you know, on your tone. <laughs> your whistle tone. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> And there's all sorts of little nuances, just like in the, just like as a player, you know, for sure that they, you know, get on each other for. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, Eddie, we got this one last question for you here. We appreciate you coming on and Tighthead Brewing Company for sponsoring this interview. So we have the Tighthead Brewing Company question of the day. Uh, what is your biggest, you know, advice to new referees slash, I'm going to put a second question in here too. Uh how do we get more people to join refereeing? Like, what what's the pitch? Like, how do we make this happen? Because again, the the bigger the referee pool, the better the game. It's better for everyone. And also, you've already explained. Like, we have a great referee society. We've got great guys in there. How, and like, this is why too, I wanted to have you in to like show this side of it. Like, hey, Eddie's a cool guy. Like, yeah, he's the referee. Like, let's let's talk to him. Let's hear him out. Like, how do we get people in on this? Yeah, man? what was the pitch? They got uh, yeah. <laughs> well circumstance but i guess that's 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 a, that's a good point um but you kind of hit it on the on the head man um how do you help the sport um you know if you really you really love this game it becomes an easier decision but it is obviously you got to get over that obstacle of uh i guess learning a new thing and that's officiating the game that you love but uh and i don't know if i'm doing it a good job but i, I just want to be real it's like my biggest thing is I, I, I love the sport and I want to give back to it and I'm in a position where I can do that and uh, if that's where you find yourself, then uh, I think you should try refereeing, pick up a whistle, go to a certification class. Actually, before this podcast, I looked up like when's the soonest one. I don't think there's anything in the works as far as a, like a certification class unless you guys have heard something different. Mm-mm. Yeah, not recently, no. Well, in those, yeah. those classes, too, it sucks because you have to... you got to have X amount of people confirmed. Yeah. People have to, like, commit to it before it exists. And then once the yeah. people commit, then USA Rugby's like, all right, we'll send someone. Here's the date. It's in two weeks. And it's like, yeah. USA Rugby's kind of shooting themselves in the foot with that. But, like, no, that's something as, like, the Wombats or Valley Rugby, we've always talked about. Like, we would love to sponsor one or set one up in the winter, um, you know, to try to help out yeah. however we can, get my guys certified. I mean, be huge. You know, I, I want to say this too, not just thinking about it a little late. Um, the best way to enhance the game of rugby in Iowa is to have better officiating. Mm. I think that's a real good logical way to understand it. And if like, 
if that's what you want as a coach, or say you've always been an assistant coach, or say you've always been a coach, say you've done coaching, done playing, done, you know, whatever, wherever you find yourself in your rugby journey, you want to enhance mm-hmm. that journey, that journey, you know, for a younger person, or even somebody, you know, right alongside you, um, you know, officiating at a higher level in the in the state is, is going to be like the, the true way to do that. No, that's awesome. And it takes you to cool places too. Yeah. Do you have anything oh, yeah. else lined up to leave the state or anywhere cool that you got coming up? Or um, has this opened I, any doors up? Um, yeah, I mean, so I got a lot of got a lot of new followers and I'm following a bunch <laughs> of new uh <laughs> you know, got a lot more friends on the socials. Nice. But no, yeah, you know, I made a lot of connections uh with a lot of shares. That that was a cool part. But um Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, Eddie, thank you for everything you do for the sport. Because again, I know during a match, thank you guys. Thank you guys. It may not seem like it, but like we do appreciate it. We appreciate you because you 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 are pushing the sport in a great direction. Well, before this ends, kids, we love. Before this ends, then yeah, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys too, and I love the game, and then that's kind of why I do it. Before this ends, though, I do want to shout out Paul Donji. You know, because he is also a big player in that uh, Randy Kibbers fucking always doing games. Mm-hmm. And everybody else, you know, that uh, does games around the state. If you listen to this, you know, this is uh, why we do this. This is why I'm going to continue to do better. And uh, appreciate all you guys. Love it. Yeah, well, those are a couple guys that we need to get on to at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, some legends. Definitely. definitely legends. Yeah, but yeah, no, right. let's grab a beer next time in person, man. And we'll uh, we'll see you at the next match or at the social. Solid. We'll catch it at Pally's. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll see you, brother. All right. Later, guys. See ya. That was Eddie. It was great to hear from him and hear about his experience and everything. We'll have to get him on again because I know we wanted to talk about like some of his past experience with rugby. You know, mm-hmm. and we never really got to that, but yeah, no, we. It was funny because we always call people before a little behind the scenes, and we run down like, "Hey, here's our idea. We're just gonna have a conversation, but here's kind of the main points we're gonna try to meander through." And we hit the first bullet point, and that was it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like it's so easy to just you know we're bullshitting and. We get into the conversation, we kind of miss some of the stuff we wanted to talk about, but I, it was a really good conversation. But, like, we didn't miss anything because yeah. it was, like, all this cool stuff kept popping up and, like, yeah. just that insight. And, you know, as a middle school teacher and a middle school athletic director, I will say, like, I'm one of those people that when the brouhaha's happen, like, we're playing a D3 rugby match, everyone gets all heated, and people start arguing, and, John, if you see me... I get really frustrated, but, like, I almost, like, walk away, like, because I'm just so annoyed because working in a Des Moines public school, there's a lot of arguing and yelling and swearing and fake tough guys who, I'll fight you, I'll fight you. Like, I hear it all day for 40 hours a week plus. Um, So then when it's like, hey, let's play rugby, and then people are doing things that, like, 12-year-olds do in a middle (laughs) school, and, like, the same thing, I'm just like, really? Come on. So, like... I just I, I feel like I agree with Eddie there where it's just like, man, people complain so much about like, where's the knock? Where's the high tackle? What about this? What about like what about you? Like we can control ourselves and the fact that he went to DC and was like, No, the complaining is a D three Iowa thing. Like yeah. that's funny, it's insightful, but like unless you leave the the area, mm. this is the norm. Yeah. And that's something like that's I'm on a pedestal here or what it or uh 
A rant? <laughs> a rant. I'm on a... No, I'm on a soapbox. Uh, I'm on a soapbox about this. But, I mean, that's because I'm getting old and I work in a middle school. Where it's like, follow the rules. Stop arguing. It's just... What do we... What do we gain from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's not for me. Yeah. No, I agree. No, and yeah, you're I, the I, least likely person to fight someone on a field either. Mm-hmm. I've, th- I've thrown a punch once. And that was in a playoff match in Waverly for Bremer County when... I was in a ruck, and it was when I had my beard really oh, yeah, long. Yeah. You remember this? Yep. And a guy grabbed full fist, grabbed my beard in a ruck, and pulled on it. And I was like, "Fucking let go!" And he tugged on it harder, and I swung, and I missed. <laughs> <laughs> and Lex, my wife, even said after the game, "She's like, what was that?" Because I screamed, like everyone heard me yell the fuck word really yeah. loud. And I don't do that. Like I don't argue with people. But like, dude, he tugged on my beard. I was very angry. I've never done that. That was the only time I've ever thrown a punch. Other time, I mean, obviously you want to protect your guys, but at the same time, like, what's going to come out of that unless it's like someone's seriously in danger? I've never been in a match where someone is seriously in danger. Yeah. That's all you got. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking there, I guess. Sorry. I kind of was just like... I don't know what's going on with my brain right now. No, you're right. No, you're right. I took, I, I took a good smack in the head over the weekend, so I'm like, eh, little... Two things on that. Number one, yes, I talked for too long, and, <laughs> and I lost your attention. People probably turned off the podcast because like, ah, boring story. <laughs> Number two, that photo you sent, and it's going to be in the thumbnail for this, seeing all the blood off the top of your head, like, that's such a... I thought it's such you, a small little cut. Yeah, I, know. I thought you were gonna have like this, like six inch long gash on the top of your head, just like stitched shut. That thing is like a centimeter long. Like, I know. it's nothing. It's like a tiny little thing, and you were covered in blood. But the worst part about that, like you look weird in an Iowa City Ducks jersey. <laughs> yeah, it felt a little, felt different. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I had a lot of fun playing with the Ducks. So no, I know. No, I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. I know you are. But... I'm giving you a hard time. No, we love the Ducks. Yeah. And every time I get a cut on my face, it always bleeds like crazy. Because like <laughs> Toys for Tots when. Jeremy tackled that one guy, and he, like, swung him around. That I took a cleat to the face. I split my, like, eyebrow open. I had all this blood running <laughs> down my face, and I'm like, great, I'm going to need fucking stitches and shit. And yeah. I get over there, and the trainer cleans it, and it's, like, this tiny, tiny little cut. It's like, why am I bleeding so much? Remember when you lost your front tooth? Uh, both of them? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> How could I forget? <sighs> oh, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, moving on though, again, thank you, Eddie. Eddie's the man. Uh, Iowa State, they went to Boulder, Colorado to compete mm. for the D1AA College Rugby, of, or College American College Rugby. Sorry, there's so many different like governing yeah. bodies. The American College Rugby D1AA through USA Rugby National Title against San Diego. We talked about this last week. San Diego, they went, they played sevens, they won the national title in sevens for the D1 club. Mm-hmm. And we went to their website because Phil and I were having a conversation. The University of San Diego Rugby is at varsity. If you go to their website, it says, USD Rugby is a club sport with varsity expectations. Founded in 1980, they have a long tradition of history of success in Southern California and a national level. And they only practice Tuesday and Thursday. But again, it's a club, but they treat it as if it is a varsity sport. And 
it showed, you know, to go from 15s to 7s to back to 15s, they ended up winning the game 41 to 19. Mm. Iowa State, they fought through the whole the whole match. Ben Villam was there. Yeah. You and I, excuse me, alumni. He said the San Diego old boys were out in full force. They were heckling Ben Villam. Ben Villam, <laughs> you know, you and I guy, yeah. he was cheering for Iowa State. Uh, just sounded like they kind of had the crowd there, but yeah, yeah, just you know, I wasn't able to watch the whole match. Um, you were at all Iowa, yeah. but it just sounded like you know it was a it was a tough match, physical match. Uh, the the styles of play just matched up better for San Diego, but mm-hmm. you know Iowa State they battled to the very end. And again, what Ant Frying is doing there and what those guys are buying in. Like, they're there, man. Yeah. Like, that is such an impressive season that they had mm. nothing to hold their heads about. Exactly. Like, they have taken this program, put it in a spot that really other college programs haven't been at in a long time. But no, yeah, that's, like you said, nothing to hold your head on because, man, getting national runner-up, you know, with all these teams, like, that is a huge accomplishment. <clears throat> right. And Ant Frein, he posted this on, on his Facebook. So, he said, well... That didn't end the way we wanted it to. The outcome of that match was never going to be the end-all, be-all with this, though. This group grinded from day one of camp and pushed each other every, or pushed each other every day. From the last guy to the first guy, they pushed each other every day, in and day out. Off the field, I've never been around a group of guys that is so open and honest about their genuine love for each other and the friendships. This group spent the last seven weeks living out of hotel rooms playing two playoff matches out of state before they even got to the smash. They laughed, made memories, and were appreciative of every step of the way. I want to say some thank yous to the people who make this program go. Firstly, Brad and Lisa Lewis for your incredible generosity in getting the Alumni Foundation started, but also making sure the guys are taken care of. No one will ever know all you do because you never ask for anything in return. Secondly, the alumni, parents, and family that have supported this group all year from day one. The team never stopped fighting on Saturday, and part of that was because the people there, the people there never stopped fighting for the team. We could not do this without you, and the way you welcome everyone into your families is inspiring. Third, the coaches who volunteer so much of their time at practice and outside of practice to make this possible. Matt, Owen, JJ, and John are four of the best humans I know and gave everything to this program. To the players, thank you. This group has never been shy about expressing what these relationships mean to each other, and I have no doubt every single one of you will be successful in life. I've told you a million times I love you all for the people you are and will continue on into life. Lastly, the unsung hero MVP of this thing, Philly V. Nope. Uh, sorry, I read <laughs> I that wrong. Say, don't lie to me like that. <laughs> sorry. Uh, my wife, Steph. Steph has kept the house standing while I was traveling across. You look like you were getting bored. I was trying to get you back in. Sorry. <laughs> You're on your phone playing around. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. Okay. So, Aunt Fran's wife, Steph, uh, she kept the house standing while... Ant was traveling across the country, staying up late on the phone with players, talking through stuff, and so much more. I'm truly lucky to have a partner like you. Would we have liked to end the season with the trophy? Absolutely. Will we be back because of the Iowa State way? Absolutely. Hell also, yeah. I am going to correct Ant on one thing. 
They did come home with a trophy. That's it. You got runner up. I did. I, I did. I saw a trophy in the I, picture. I saw a trophy. <laughs> Obviously, we know what we meant. All kidding <laughs> yeah. aside. No, hats off to what Ant and everybody there is building. Yep. Again, like you said, there's a lot more people that we don't see or hear from. That's why I wanted to read that whole thing mm. um, because I do think it's important to realize that it doesn't come from one player. It doesn't come from one coach. It, it comes from a community of people who yep. buy into a structure, a system, uh, it, and it takes time. You know, he's been at this for half a decade a little bit more than that actually mm. like a full decade yeah, if mean, you go all the way back to stuff, when he yeah. played you know yeah. i mean he is iowa state rugby through and through he's going to be the guy that's there and the players they come they're there some of the guys are staying to help coach i mean he is building a culture yeah. and we will see them back oh, guaranteed 100 yeah it's down like we will see it so obviously they are disappointed because you know they want it you're in it you want to win it mm. but here's the thing Everybody in the state of Iowa is proud of them. Oh, yeah. they I mean, they represented the state so well. Uh, what an amazing experience yeah. for those guys. It's a huge accomplishment just to make it there, you know? And we know those guys who are seniors, they're going on, they're going to do great things. And the guys who are in the program right now, they're going to keep it at that level. They're going to keep pushing it higher. And then new guys coming in are going to keep pushing it, too. So mm. hats off to Iowa State. Hats off to Ant Frein, friend of the program. You know, we're... Mm -hmm. We We're love you. you. We're proud of you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And no, keep it moving, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Any other words you want to say to Ant? Well, same thing. Just extremely proud of those guys. And like I said, huge accomplishment just literally making it to there. And yeah, I mean, this is literally just repeating practically what you said. You know, like they will be back. Like I will, I think it would be safe to say that they will eventually win a national championship within the next few years. If they keep going at the pace they're going, mm -hmm. I don't think that's that bold of a statement. I mean, and high school kids are going to see that too. Like, hey, yeah. this is a program that's consistently playing at a high level. For example, yeah, good, next, re good recruiting, you know. Like, yeah. And speaking of recruiting, you know, Next Phase Rugby is an app where kids and coaches sign up. Yeah. And basically, you put your player profile on there and coaches are able to see film and they have a networking thing where they can talk to kids you i know used that for some of your players didn't you well my players used it to get to aquinas okay. yeah they used it to talk with coaches all across the country to find mm. the perfect fit i know aunt frying has used it and here's what's really interesting about next phase rugby they're going to launch their own academy camps and a sevens tournament so think of this this would be like if football uh ncaa football like the 24-7 recruiting or 247. Mm. If they had their own all-star team, if they had camps, and if they had like a tournament to like showcase oh, the skills. Kind of like how like, they do like Army All-Americans and stuff like that. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So like next phase rugby is like, hey, use our app, use the app. People are gonna see like who the top recruits are. They're gonna take the top recruits. They're gonna make a sevens and fifteens team out of it. They're gonna put them in tournaments. They're gonna have camps. It's going to really help push that top talent up, mm. and it's going to take guys who are like not really highly touted, or like maybe there's not a lot of game film on them, or people maybe don't hear from certain areas. And it's going to get them into the mix and get seen by high level coaches. How cool is that? Yeah, very cool. Like next phase rugby, it started off as like, hey, here's a way for high school kids to talk to college coaches. Mm. Does it cost money? Like, how do they have, like... Yeah, it does. Okay, that's why yeah. I thought. I'm like, how are they going to... Coaches and kids, yeah. I think, both have to pay money for the service. Yeah. I don't think it's a crazy amount. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine um, it is, but 
I mean, they must be, you know, having a lot of uh, people use it, you know, if they can mm. extend out to having academy camps and everything else. Yeah, and I've seen, oh, I actually saw IUP, yeah. the team that won One, the D2 D2s, yeah. 7s. They posted that they use Next Phase Rugby, oh, and they cool. went from talking to 30 players to 60 players. Wow. And, like, they're finding guys who are like, I play 7s, and, like, I want to be here. I want to keep this going. So remember when I made the joke and I was like, oh, IUP, stop winning. I don't want to talk about you. They're going to keep winning. Yeah. That, like they're going to be in that area for mm. a while. So you and I beat them. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. No. So I think that's really cool to go from like, hey, we're a recruiting service to not only do we facilitate these conversations, we're also going to showcase you. Mm. Um that's a great way to grow the sport. Yeah, really cool. I love it. And high school kids in Iowa, uh, the boys especially, this is kind of important because... State you know, tournament! State <laughs> tournament. Cedar Rapids is hosting the 2A tournament. Yeah. So this is going to be the final part of the show. For some people, this is going to be the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Dude, this is wild. This is, this is so wild. So... We have Southeast Polk at 11-0. And here's the thing. You might be like, some teams played 11 games. Some teams played 12. Weather this past Friday, a lot of teams were like, hey, no contest. We're not playing this game. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the matches, like, it really didn't affect seeding yeah. at all. Um, pretty much Cedar Rapids, Washington. They needed to beat Des Moines East and Des Moines Roosevelt to make the tournament. Mm. So at the Bondurant site... Every team there, once lightning hit, they're like, no contest, no contest, no contest. Like, it, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't affect seeding because a lot of it was like a 2A team versus a 1A team, oh, which yeah, doesn't yeah. count towards the seeding. Mm-hmm. But Cedar Rapids is like, uh, we have to win these two games or we don't make it. And so they waited for like two hours Man. until the lightning cleared. And then they played and they beat Roosevelt and they beat East. They made it in as the eighth seed. They will be playing Southeast Polk. Nice. Then, the number two seed, Cedar Falls, is going to play Urbandale. Mm-hmm. Urbandale pretty banged up right now. Yeah. I know they had to, uh, what, no, I guess, would it be considered just forfeits, I guess, unless they weren't able to play either match? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, they just had too many injuries. Yeah. So I think what D was telling me is they only had, like, four guys that were available to play that were, like, mm. healthy. And even that's still kind of a stretch. Hoping they can get healthy for yeah. the state tournament. Because, I mean, they earned their spot in. I know Lincoln was fighting to get in. I mean, Ames right on their tails, too. So, I mean, I, I hope they get healthy. Yeah. Because Cedar Falls, though, I mean, that's going to be a tough team. Yeah. No, they're a good squad. We already talked in the episode about Ian Murrah. I mean, fantastic player. Also, uh, I should pull it up real quick. There's a kid from Cedar Falls. Their stats are crazy. They had a stretch of games where they were, like, winning every single game by, like, I don't know, 50 points. There was, like, Ugh. four games in a row they won by, like, 50 points. That's ridiculous for sevens. Yeah. And let me see here the name of this kid. Caden Smith has 24 tries. Ooh. Chase, wow. Chase Gilbert has 14. So they have the top try score and the third top try score in the state damn their kid who kicks conversions chase gilbert has 43 conversions 
The next closest is 29 and 24. Wow. Yeah, crazy. That is wild. He's, he's got Chase, some crazy accuracy, too. Chase Gilbert also has 44 tackles. That's number two in the state behind Dalton House of Bondurant. Ty Eller has 41 tackles, which is in third. That's crazy, too. Chase Gilbert, is he related to, isn't there another kid? Is that uh, from Cedar Falls? Last name Gilbert. He played for Bremer, played for UNI. Isn't there another kid? Are you talking about Chad? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't. Because, yeah, there's Chad Gilbert, but he's from. No, um, I swear there's another kid. I don't. I'm not 100% sure. Gilbert, who played for you and I. Played for you and I? Well, I mean, that's. Jackson was, Gilbert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he played with Bremer a little bit. He played like Fly yeah. Half or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Briefly. yeah. It, they got to be related, right? Maybe. Well, I they, would assume so. They went to Cedar Falls. They hmm. both went to Cedar Falls. Oh. Pretty sure they're brothers. Yeah. I don't know either of them, but. Just speculating. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do best. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, ooh. Chase Gilbert also has 12 assists. Camden Kramer from Waverly has 10. And Dawson Stein, my boy, has 9 from Valley. Nice. If we go off stats and stats alone, I think Chase Gilbert should probably be league MVP. Yeah. That's the way that's looking, at least. I mean, 14 tries, 43 conversions, 44 tackles, and 12 assists. Leading in assists, yeah. Chase Gilbert's number one in assists. He's number two in tackles, number one in 2A. Yeah. Uh, Blows everybody away with 43 conversions. And then with tries, he has 14. I mean, you go off of that, I think. Yeah, he should definitely be in the conversation for sure. But, I mean, if I was going to pick an MVP, and I'm super biased, <laughs> Tristan Irvin from Valley, dude, yeah, he's, can take he's, over a game. He's only started seven matches, and he's only played in nine. And he has just as many tries as Chase, yeah. who's played three Dude's more games. Dude's a baller, yeah. Tristan can take over a game, and he single-handedly won Valley three different games on his own. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But, but also, he'll definitely, he'll definitely be an All-State guy, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So, let's go back to the standings here. So, again, I, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I knew Cedar Falls has some guys that yep. are high level. Now, the most interesting match, I think, in the first round, Fort Dodge last week beat, beat Waverly, Waverly yeah. Shellrock. Waverly Shellrock is the three seed. Fort Dodge is the six seed. They play each other in the first round. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Yeah. That match was wild. Uh, congratulations to Tom and Fort Dodge, but it's Waverly. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you you play yeah. them again. Like yeah. you got, they always say too, it's hard to beat a team twice. Yeah, you know, hard to beat a team more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, that game's gonna be wild. Yeah, that game's gonna I'm be looking great. Looking forward to it because I should be there to watch all of them. So, oh, you're gonna be. Yeah, and then a game I really care about, and I also think it'll be very interesting: the four five matchup, Valley versus Ankeny. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Valley and Ankeny did not play each other this year. So in the first round, they will meet. Then it's a good squad. Oh, yeah. And then in 1A, we have um, in Bondurant. Bondurant's the one seed. And get this. They're doing a sub-state thing. Oh, yeah, with the other teams. Yeah. So Lincoln, Ames, Clinton, Roosevelt, Iowa City, and East, they all agreed they're going to play a sub-state tournament on Tuesday. Whoever wins that tournament gets to go from 2A 
to be the eighth seed for the 1A state tournament. I really like that. I do, too. I think that's a great, great idea. I do, too. More rugby, and it gets those teams to be like, you know what? Here's another shot. I'm playing for something. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everyone right now today has a chance to win a state title. That's cool. Because so many of these kids are learning rugby for the first time five weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, It's all about growth. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't like football where you've been playing since flag football in second grade. Mm -hmm. Some of these kids played five weeks ago for the first time. This is cool. So, um, Bonnerant will play whoever wins that substate. Columbus Catholic will be against Indianola. Central Springs against Norwalk. And Denver versus Crestwood. So, Phil, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Don't do this to me. I'm going <laughs> to. Who is going to win the 1A state title? Um, That's tough, dude. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, like. You're going to do a chalk pick, aren't you? I, don't know, I was honestly thinking Columbus because they won it last year. Really? Yeah, I've been looking for an upset. You don't think Bondurant can? I mean, I'm sure off? I'm sure Bondurant can, but like I like to see an underdog win the win the game, so Well, and the thing is though, Columbus has won what, three years in a row? Yeah. So I guess I don't know if you can consider really an underdog, an underdog? But oh, yeah. I mean the oh, rankings I... are considered like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's Bondurant's year, you know. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. And again, Brad Lewis, I mean, he runs a great program. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Central Springs or Denver makes it into the final. The final, yeah. That's yeah. very possible, too. Actually, Denver's got to get past Bonnerant. Yeah. I could see the championship even being Bonnerant versus Central Springs. Yeah, it's very possible. I think any of, it, any of those teams could win it. I'm going to go with Bonnerant. That's fair. Who are you going with? I still think I'm going to stay with Columbus. All right. I got to be different. All right. <laughs> Two way, who are you taking? Yeah, the, again, ah, I think dude. this is the deepest any tournament has ever been. Mm. We are going to see some great rugby, and I think it's literally going to come down to like who has the ball last in some of these matches, and then who makes the last mistake. Like, I, like these matches are going to be this, like, this one's going to be so hard because like the top six teams, I think, all have a really good shot to win. Like. If Fort Dodge gets past Waverly, I won't be surprised if Fort Dodge fucking wins the whole thing. Right. You know? So you got to pick one. <sighs> I had to pick one? Yeah, I'm making you. Gun to your head. I don't have a gun. I think I'm still going to go with Waverly Shell Rock, though. Okay. I think that's a fair one. But I'm just saying, though, if, if for some reason, you know, Fort Dodge can get past them in that first round, I then mean, I think Fort Dodge might have a good shot. So Any other teams you think have a good shot? Obviously, everybody from six up. <laughs> Honestly, even my almost eight up. Like, you don't know. Like, sevens is just such a wild game. Any any other teams that... I know you want me to say Valley, but... <laughs> I'm picking Valley. I'm Obviously. Taking Valley. I have to. Yeah. Which they well, have... And also, they, I mean... Yeah, Valley we, has a really, really good shot. We, we lost to Southeast Polk by one try. Yep. And then we lost to Waverly when we kicked the ball out of bounds because the kids thought time was up. But due to blood time and a yellow card, there was still time left on the referee's watch, but not on the scoreboard. Yep. So, I mean, simple fix. Ask the referee, hey, how much time left? Like that line out, uh, scrum, kickoff, whatever. Mm. Hey, how much time's left? Boom, fix. Um, and then Waverly ends up scoring to win uh, with time expired yep. on a penalty try. Um, so right there with both of them. 
And so can we make the jump? Can we fix those little mistakes? But also knowing, too, Southeast Folk, Cedar Falls, Waverly, Ankeny, Fort Dodge, Cedar Rapids, and Urbandale, they've got tricks up their sleeves, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so They have some really good athletes. Like, anything can happen. And it's going to rain all week, and it's going to rain Friday. Uh, well, the field... What field in Cedar Rapids are they playing on? Is Mount that, is, Mercy. Is, is that not turf? I don't know. I should have been there a couple weeks ago, but I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I guess that. Yeah, with weather-wise, like if it's going to be like wet and stuff, and it's actual grass, then but, yeah, that could affect conditions. But if it's but turf, who does that favor? It hurts everybody. It does. You know yeah, I mean? no, I know. Yeah, you yeah, all yeah. play in the same circumstances, right. so yeah. No, so we we've got more good rugby coming up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big so, time. Oh yeah. I think this good episode. Hey, yeah, nice put her there. Good job. Good job. We're shaking yeah. hands. Yeah. Can they hear it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Slap. <laughs> yeah. Slap it. Um. <laughs> How you feeling? Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. <gasps> fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs. This episode is brought to you by Rotor Epoxy, the premier epoxy company in Iowa. You need your floors looking good. You need to redo the entire shop, the locker room floor, the fire station, the man cave. Those are the guys to call. There's an infinite amount of floors that you would possibly mess with here. So whatever you need done, they can do some wicked ass designs for you. Whatever you got going on, just get it done. Get a hold of them. Infinite designs, 100% satisfaction. Rotor Epoxy, find them online now.